Let's do it. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 11 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, December 15th, 2019. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, and in this episode, we'll be focusing largely on the announcement of the Xbox Series X. We'll take note of several other Xbox-specific announcements from the Game Awards, and we'll be answering many of your questions written into XEP this week. Strap in, guys. This episode's a good one. Before we dive too far into the news this week, I do want to say a quick word of thank you to both the Trophy Room Podcast and the Co-op Mode Podcast for having me on as a guest last week. I thoroughly enjoy getting a chance to chat video games with you guys. It was an absolute pleasure to be with you, and I encourage any listener of XEP to check out both the Trophy Room and Co-op Mode. Great podcasts. Thanks, guys. Oh, goodness gracious, guys, what a week it was. Only in a week where you announced the latest and newest Xbox family system could it trounce the news of of a new state of play with Resident Evil 3, of Axiom Verge 2, of Halo Reach rocking it with 3 million plus Steam. What could displace those on the news forefront? The Xbox Series X, the latest in the Xbox family announced for holiday 2020. We heard about it. We saw it on the Game Awards this past week. This is the next generation Xbox system, and its name is the Series X. Now, it features a black tower design. It's got an internal green light. We were able to see the controller. It does now include a share button, but all of your older tech from the Xbox One family of consoles does move forward into this system, which is also backward compatible back to the original Xbox through its emulation software that we saw on the Xbox One. So if it worked on Xbox One, it's going to work on Xbox Series X. This system is said to be roughly four times as powerful as the Xbox One X, and its tagline, of course, is fast and most powerful with its kind of marketing speak as how are your dreams now this is super exciting super super exciting we finally know the name of the next gen system we know it's coming in holiday 2020 we saw it and i gotta tell you aesthetically i totally dig it that tower design which by the way can be laid horizontally if you're so inclined if if you want the more traditional console look But it stands vertically as well, much like our current systems. But it looks wonderful. It's very sleek in design. Uh, It reminds me of like an Amazon Echo or Dot. It looks very much like a modern router and that it could kind of feature as part of your living room and not be obtrusive. It does not look like a console in the traditional sense, but it also has its own unique feel to it. I really, really, really was impressed by it. You know, you see a lot of consoles get announced and you... You debate the validity of the names, you look at the systems, you look at the Dreamcast, the Saturn, you look at the PS2, the PlayStation 1, the Nintendo 64, they all have their own style to it. This Xbox Series X looks sleek, it looks modern, and I really dig the internal green light. Very glad to see the share button is on the controller. Also glad to hear that none of my older controllers uh, will fail to work on the Series X. Now, the name, of course, is is what is garnering quite a few conversations in its own right. What do we think of the name? Xbox Series X. Well, it certainly speaks to an iterative design similar to like an iPhone system where you have the S and the X. Uh, you have different versions that, that are scalable. 
We see that, of course, with the Xbox One family, where you do have the Xbox One S and the Xbox One X. And the X is meant to be more powerful. And I think that's what they're going for in this particular uh, slate of names. This is the equivalent, I would argue, as just now calling it the Xbox. Because now, in future, you're going to say, by 2021, you'll say, oh, I've got an Xbox X, or I have an Xbox S, or, or something like that. Now, to be very clear, it is not confirmed that there is a Series S. That is just the large, largely held belief, and one that I support as well. Because of news, you know, just a week prior, that their Anaconda and Lockhart were coming down the line. So I fully expect there to be a powerful version, and the X will consistently signal what the most powerful version is, and the S will certainly uh, speak to a more scaled-down, affordable budget version that still offers gameplay uh, therein. Now, the naming convention, is it confusing? Will it damage cells? Uh, is the grandparent equation going to be an issue? Does mom or dad or a grandparent walk into Target, walk into GameStop, walk into Best Buy, and say, hey, my, my grandson, my granddaughter, they would like the Xbox X? Uh, okay, ma'am, do you mean the Xbox One X, the Xbox uh, Series X? That I think the concerns for that name are largely overblown. I think consumers now are, are far more trained in the scalability of technology than they were perhaps even this past the beginning of this generation, and certainly more so in generations uh, prior to this. You know, my son wants the new Nintendo. Okay, did he want the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo? Yeah, there, there's an element to this that comes up every time you launch a new product even when the xbox one s versus the xbox one x the grandma walks in and says i want an xbox one and you have to have that conversation so i think we're largely overblowing the the, the fear of the grandparent equation and what it might mean and I, I stress again consumers now versus even seven eight years ago are, are far more versed in that scalability so i think that's less a concern going forward you know you can you can create nicknames that that names will well, generate there, you had the Xbox One, and then people called it the X-Bone, the Xbox One S All Digital Edition. That's the Xbox Sad Edition. You know, um, some people are calling the Xbox Series X the Xbox Sex. At, so what? Who cares? I think it's it's going to happen with any system. PlayStation 5 uh, is kind of its competitor in terms of naming, and that's a very simple naming convention. But, of course, are they going to have the PlayStation 5 Slim, the PlayStation 5 Pro? How are they going to speak to their own scalability? Because it's going to happen if even we wait for a mid-generation refresh. Uh, look at the Switch most recently. There are two versions of the Switch on the market, and then there's the Switch Lite. So in essence, three versions, because of course they did do that very quiet upgrade to the Switch, and it's only it's only noticed from the, the redder box of sorts. Well, if Grandma walks in and says, my grandson wants uh, a Switch, my granddaughter wants a Switch Lite. Okay, Switch Lite's easy enough, but what about the Switch? Did he, did he or she mean the... The, the newer version, better battery, etc. These are questions that will largely stem on messaging from a primary console, education of a sales clerk here and there, but also, I would stress one more time, Best Buy slimming down on its gaming market, GameStop fading away into the dust, Amazon having to contend and bring about console sales and spotlight them here and there. More and more people are just getting their content online, getting their, their consoles online as well. I think we're going to start seeing that. People will just order from the Microsoft store. People will just order from the Sony store, etc. 
Brick and mortar, absolutely important. Don't misunderstand. I'm not arguing against that fact. I'm just saying that the name, the iterations, the versions of this uh, will be far less in the equation than we otherwise have it. Now, Todd Oxter wrote in and said, if we do see a Series X S to go along with the Series X to represent hardware differences, do you think they should use a year designator to make it obvious uh, when a better version is released? What do you think would be a good approach for the inevitable mid-gen refreshes? Well, that this I, I would tailor us to the tablet market. You go on the Best Buy website right now and you look at tablets and I look at the Samsung Tab A. That's what I use right now. When I bought my Tab A this past year in 2019, just because I wanted something cheap to read comic books on, it had monikers and descriptors like latest model, 2017, 2018, that kind of thing. So I think there certainly could be a year designator to go with it. The onus will be on Microsoft to message clearly to its retailers what they want to do, and then retailers are going to have to communicate back what they think will help most for customers. It does not help any company to sell the wrong product to a customer and have an unhappy customer. You don't want to do that to your consumer base. So I think year monikers could certainly make a difference. I think S and X are actually fantastic pieces there because if you release the Xbox Series X going forward and it's kind of a scaled down version but has all the same capabilities, great. If you release the Xbox Series C and it's strictly meant for xCloud, all right, cool, there you go. There's ideas and ways that you can maneuver around this, uh, having kind of that letter system in place, but this is as close to just calling it Xbox as we can get. You know, there was a time where my, where Apple descri described its tablets and whatnot, iPhone 4, iPhone 5, iPhone, and then uh, iPad 1, iPad 2, and then they just kind of moved it into iPad. I think it's a natural evolution of this. Uh, I am fine with year, year monikers and such, but I think the way the technology is moving, the way that games are moving, you know, I buy the game digitally, I always have it. At a certain point, will it work, will it not? I don't think that's going to be nearly the same issue. You look at something like Apple Arcade and the App Stores. I don't think that'll be quite the same issue because we've talked about forward compatibility and the idea of backward compatibility going along with you as you move through the generation. They want to keep people in that world of Xbox. So there is something to that, but it's exciting. It's exciting. At the Game Awards, they showed the next Xbox. We saw the physical box. We see they're taking the share button uh, seriously. They're releasing specs, which I don't think are worth going into on this. 12 teraflops versus the six that are on the X, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that's worth going into on this particular show at this time, not until we get more comparative data and more hands-on data from companies who are far more qualified. Plus, I think it's worth worth it to have that conversation once we know the, the PlayStation 5 specs. And we did see the first PlayStation 5 game revealed, and that was exciting. But again, uh, how do you steal spotlight from seeing Resident Evil 3 and Axiom Verge 2 just two days prior? Uh, how do you steal spotlight away from that? You show the Xbox Series X, which is extremely exciting. And how do you do that? Do you show the new Halo? Do you show the new Gears? Do you show the new Forza? As we've seen so many times, as is synonymous with the Xbox brand. No, you don't, because those are tired tired franchises even if i love them i love gears i love halo love playing forza horizon 4 which just announced the eliminator battle royale mode fantastic they quietly did that on a mixer stream uh, and now we've got a battle royale mode for free in forza horizon 4 ecstatic that's amazing how do you launch the series x you take it in a new direction you reach out to fans and you say you know what we're taking single player seriously we're taking narrative games seriously we're taking graphics seriously and you announce senua's saga hellblade 2. now for anybody that knows 
Ninja Theory created Senua's Sacrifice, an incredible game, a masterful display of sound design, of creating a world of what it would be like for a player or a character to endure psychosis. The music in Senua's Sacrifice, the first one, was was incredible. I played that through with my wife. She watched it like a movie, and it was stunning. How do you launch the Xbox Series X? You put up Senua's Sacrifice 2, which is called Senua's Saga Hellblade 2, pardon me, and it is stunning. The music in this trailer, the lighting in this trailer was insane. The animation, the facial uh, animations were just remarkable. It was haunting to see Senua, to see the golems that were in this, this, this trailer. And if you watch crowd reactions to this, People lost their mind. The first game we see for the Xbox Series X for next gen is a single-player narrative from a, a, a studio that brought us a, a one-time PlayStation exclusive that came over into Microsoft that is creating a third-person brawler multiplayer game also releasing this uh, next year. Super exciting to see. Uh, I don't think they gave a release date on Hellblade 2, but you have to, to imagine that it's all in-game footage. The visuals were stunning. The music was stunning, the lighting was stunning, and I'm just stuck on it. I've watched that trailer so many times, and my enthusiasm only grows. An incredible song, an incredible chant, which, which, goodness gracious, when you dive into the rabbit hole of YouTube and you start to explore who makes the music for the games that you love, you certainly find some things. And man, I cannot even pronounce, I can spell, but I cannot pronounce the band um, that created this this Celtic folklore mesh of music that they used as the chant in Senua's Saga incredible sound design and people were ecstatic and that's how you do it you say hey we are we are xbox we know you're going to get halo infinite we know you're liking gears of war we got forza those are your staples we know you're going to get those whether you love them whether you're tired of them that's fine we're not launching or we're not going to talk about the series x and talk about those first we're going to talk about this single player narrative experience from a studio you love you respect and now has more resources goodness gracious i am so excited to see where they're going to take it i'm super excited to see how playstation responds how stadia responds what nintendo does i was expecting a lot of announcements out of this these game awards many of them i didn't get but it all sets the space for the xbox ecosystem moving forward when you have xo19 just a month or so prior and you show new games from obsidian you talk about what different studios are going to be creating uh you see a ton of indie games a ton of game pass announcements what do you do at the game awards and what do your competitors bring Two days prior, we had a Nintendo Direct-ish, like a Nindy-type thing, and you see Axiom Verge 2. Super excited for that game. Very, very exciting to see. I bet you you dollars to donuts it shows up on Xbox not too long after. Um, You see Resident Evil 3 content. They talk about Ghosts of Tsushima, and then they they show it in the Game Awards. The Game Awards themselves, uh, Sekiro, by the way, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, twice. congratulations to them on winning Game of the Year. Uh, Certainly a great game, not one that was for me. The difficulty kept me out of it. But uh, the Game Awards, let's just move right into that. It was a great show. A little bit long in the tooth. I think it had a bit of inconsistent pacing. Uh, and it, when, you, when you start off the show and you announce the new Xbox, where do you go from there on your announcements? But there were some cool things to see. Uh, it is always funny to see trailers uh, in, in a Game Awards show announcing new games. And then you have commercials for other things because commercials and trailers are the same thing. They feel a bit redundant here and there. But you got to pay for a show, and it certainly was far better than this iteration. You must give your hat off to Jeff Keighley. You must praise him for the attention that he brings to video games and the spotlight that he provides 
I love that. It was, I was super excited and happy to see that. Overall, great show, a bit long in the tooth. I think they do need to adjust some pacing. Maybe announce some of the winners that if you're just going to breeze through some of them, like, and this game won this. And in the offstart while we were on commercial break, this game won that. Maybe do a pre-recorded show and have a pre-recorded event for some of that content and release it earlier in the day. Get people hyped up. I don't know. I, I, am, I am by no means an expert, and I certainly don't want to demean any of the incredible work that went into it. But uh, as far as the show, when you announce the new Xbox to start off, where do you go from there? What do you do? What do you bring? Xbox was in that news uh, quite a few times, though. Uh, one of the biggest announcements was Gears of War Tactics. It's going to be launching on April 28th on PC. Now, it's been acknowledged quietly that Gears of War Tactics will come to consoles at some point. You have to imagine with the mouse and keyboard support that's coming to Xbox One X and the Series X tower design, which certainly echoes of a PC, you have to imagine that, that Gears Tactics will make its way onto the system. And, you know, Game Pass Ultimate's really pushing a lot of those RTS games into its PC slate. That's exciting. You know what's going to happen. But specific to Gears of War Tactics, uh, it's got a 40-hour campaign. A 40-hour campaign. That's 40 hours of Gears of War content and lore. And that lore is based uh, on, on a lot of Locust-era stuff. It's starring Gabe Diaz, the, the father of Kate Diaz, who is the star of Gears 5, of course. Uh, tons of Locust stuff taking place. Not Swarm, but Locust, right after E-Day. There's a lot of content there. But if you watch the trailer... It certainly does a great job of melding X, XCOM-style gameplay, Phoenix Point-style gameplay with the Gears of War universe. It zooms in and shows the visceral executions that the, the Gears franchise is known for, that blood and gore, but also the strategy of kind of those point-and-click RTS-style games. That's exciting to me. I love to see that we're, we've got Halo Wars on the Halo side, exploring that universe, and Gears of War Tactics, Gears of War Pop, exploring the Gears universe outside of the mainstay flagship portions of those franchises. That's exciting to me. I love that. It's going to show the Xbox brand off. It's going to show the Xbox franchises off. But what's great about it is it's not like they launched the show with this. They started with something else, a single-player narrative experience, really, really pointing out to us that we're going to see uh, those first-party acquisitions that they made, those 15 Xbox game studios pushing content of all types. You're going to have Bleeding Edge, then you're going to have Hellblade 2 all from the same studio. You're going to have Forza, and you're going to have something else that wasn't announced at the Game Awards, and there were a few things missing. We didn't see any announcement or mention of Fable content. We didn't see any mention or announcement of Batman. Excuse me, I'm so sorry to blow out your eardrums, but I'm furious. Where was the Dark Knight? Where was an Arkham game? I love me some Batman. Arkham Knight, arguably one of my favorite games, if not my favorite game of the generation. Not best, favorite, two different conversations, mind you. But goodness gracious, I don't care if it's WB Montreal. I don't care if it's Rocksteady. Where was Batman? Another year without him. I can't handle it. Bring me Batman. There are quite a, quite a few things missing there. I was shocked to see that we didn't hear anything about any type of Jedi Fallen Order DLC, which was never rumored. It just seems to me that if you're EA, you would see the long tail sales that Fallen Order has, you would see Rise of Skywalker on the horizon, and you would at least say, hey, something's coming, or there is something to it. Arena DLC or the like. Something, it doesn't have to be paid, it doesn't have to be uh, anything other than to bring people into that world. I'm surprised. 
but no mention of Fable, no mention of a Bat game, Batman game that was often rumored, uh, no mention of Metroid Prime 4, which isn't specific to Xbox, but it's just surprising to see nothing being mentioned there. Not as many reveals for next gen, uh, and it really speaks to the idea that I think a lot of companies are keeping things close to the chest with the impending announcement of Xbox Series X games and the slates that are coming with them, the PlayStation 5 games, which we only saw one. I think they're just keeping their cards close to the chest, which is fine and dandy. Fine and dandy. I'm just needy, and I want to know where it's at. Come on now. Come on now. I'm ready for it. Bring me more gaming content. All right, so that's the Game Awards. Wolf Among Us 2 also announced. That was pretty cool to see that kind of making its way back. The weird part of that show, by the way, they ended with the strangest announcement, Fast and Furious Crossroads. They brought out Michelle Rodriguez and Vin Diesel to close the show. No idea why. They showed off this game that looks like a PS2 title. Uh, it's a team-based game. It's not even a racing game. It looks terrible. I'm definitely going to buy it. Uh, let's just be honest. It's Fast and Furious. Yeah, it looks bad. But what a strange person to announce the, the, the final end-all kind of closing of the show. To have, have that game be there was odd. When you have somebody like Reggie in the house, who's no longer directly tied to Nintendo. Although I loved his... I loved his, his presentation of the Indie Game Award. That was really great. It seems strange. And Fast and Furious Crossroads, oh, goodness gracious. That is not what you want to close out your show. To start so high as the, the Senua's uh, saga, and then, whew, that's what you get. Ouch, that one hurts. Goodness gracious. Uh, to transition a away, just a few other announcements. We mentioned that Resident Evil 3 is coming out. That's coming out in April. Super excited for that. Uh, I really... More fondly, I'm looking back on Resident Evil 2 Remake and to hear that Resident Evil 3 is more action-based. Quite excited to see that. Uh, quietly under the radar also, the, the completion of the Shovel Knight franchise, is or franchise saga, which we're going to call it, uh, is out now. If you have Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, it's, it's included into it. But Yacht Club did announce that Shovel Knight King of Cards and Shovel Knight Showdown are now available. Um, that is... Fantastic. That was an odyssey and a story and a journey that began like something like seven years ago, beginning of this generation. It is an homage to people who love 16-bit era games, uh, DuckTales, Super Mario Brothers 3, etc. I love Shovel Knight. That is one of my favorite characters to ever be created, ever be crafted. Uh, I love the Shovel Knight games. The, uh, with the exception of Plague Knight, I adore everything they've put out so far. Yacht Club is wonderful. And I am super stoked to kind of in this December-January window of kind of calming nature, Shovel Knight is going to be one of the games that I'm going to be enjoying for sure. I had a question written in, what am I going to be playing throughout December? Well, I've wrapped up Darksiders 3. I'm going to be diving into Dark Darksiders 1 just for kicks. Uh, Shovel Knight is now on the table. I'm going to be checking out the, the Showdown and King of Cards entries. Probably going to be checking out a few more of the games that I've missed. Carrion dropping into Game Pass. Super stoked for that. Might even give a go on that Eliminator mode of Forza Horizon 4, which, again, quietly launched. They just announced that on their mixer. I messaged my buddy Sean Capri and just was like, hey, this is there. They just kind of did it. Surprised they didn't mention that in the Game Awards or at XO19. They just kind of did it on a Forza stream. Uh, so certainly a strange time to be looking at announcements going forward. Axiom Verge 2, really excited that's coming, although it is, uh, I believe it's Switch-specific for now. That's kind of cool. And Halo Reach, man, I, I mentioned at the top of the show, Halo Reach, I think it's done something over like 3 million concurrent players, um, 2 million plus sales on Steam alone, and that's just for Halo Reach. It's so, super exciting. I've been playing quite a bit of it with uh, Mr. Babbit and Hometown, and I have been having such a blast with it. They've really done a great job at retooling not just Reach, but the entire Master Chief collection. I think it runs like a dream now. 
it is so much better than when it launched. Uh, I, I think people are tired of hearing it because it is Halo, because we have Infinite on the horizon, because it was such a botched launch. It's hard to put a lot of trust into people saying, oh, it's good now. Go back and try it. But man, they really did. They really did. If gamers can accept Destiny 2 as kind of the community game of the year uh, announced at the Game Awards, which as they should, well in, and, and Destiny can kind of make its comeback, give Master Chief Collection a shot because it is it is the pride and joy of a lot of, a lot of generational titles there it's, it's cool to watch and follow the transition of, of game design of, of level design of art direction through the course of the halo franchise it speaks a lot to the the eras in which they took place and the gameplay is fantastic some like seven thousand achievement points too i'm ranting and raving but i'm excited it has been just a, a slew of announcements this week to to go through all those those categories man i'm i'm excited and, and revved up Whew. Ooh. Well, let's talk. Let's take rather some listener questions here. Uh, let's start first with Antonio Gian. He says, "Series X. What's your buy at launch price? What is the what is the buy at launch price for the majority of gamers? What uh, money or value will Microsoft actually launch at? Does Lockhart release day and date with Series X? If it does, I think it would be a benefit from more offering options." All right. So Antonio Gian's largely just asking, "What is the appropriate price point for the X?" for the S, uh, if it exists, the Lockhart, the Anaconda, out at launch here. Uh, Antonio, and to everybody else listening, I think the Series X console should be a $500 price point or lower. Do not go above that. Even if it is indeed your premium console, the best of the best, X is meant to be your moniker. Do not go above that. Otherwise, you are entering into PC territory and you are easily undercut by your competition. We have seen time and again that weaker hardware that is more more affordable for console makers or for gamers rather I should say and you undercut that price people are going to go with that one even if you have a Lockhart Series S available an Xbox Series S available at a lower price point don't make your best of the best into the $600 territory my buy at launch price is 500 bucks that should be the majority of gamers buy at launch price as well uh, unless this show demands that I continue you know putting out that content at a higher price point I don't see myself comfortably buying in at $600, that's too much. 550 is a strange number. Don't do that either. You need $500 or lower, even at the Series X price point. I think $500 is the right price point, to be very clear. And if you do have a Series S, which is as yet unannounced, but seems largely accepted by the gaming medium, and I mean, why else name it the Series X if you're not going to have an S or a Lockhart or a more budget-based release? Uh, I think that price point should be $300. That's the way to do it. If you can get it to 250 and it's just you know lower visuals that, that still outdo an X, but they offer you X Cloud, that's that that'd be incredible, but I don't see that happening. If it does, fantastic. If you have an S at 250, an X at 500, and it's very clear, like, all right, you can get in on the Xbox brand again once again. If you want the best of the best, you've got a 500 or for half the price, we got you on the S, no problem. You can play Halo Infinite, you can have access to X Cloud, etc. Speaking of, I do want to mention this. I, I've, I keep going back to this. The three C's that we have to talk about, cost, catalog, and choice. One of the ways to bring cost, catalog, and choice to your consumers, make xCloud available for owners of the Xbox One family of consoles. And if you have to limit it, make sure the Xbox One X has xCloud. Make sure the Xbox One S has access to xCloud. Uh, maybe you tailor the titles. Maybe you adjust the slate. If you've got S, you get these titles. If you've got X, you get those titles and these as well. That's fine and dandy. But if you can bring xCloud to gamers who have your Xbox One family of content, 
just keep going. You, Microsoft and the industry has told us that if we are in, in an ecosystem, access to that content shouldn't be barriered by hardware alone. If I can play Gears of War 5 on my Google Pixel because of xCloud, make it play on my Xbox One S. Make xCloud work on my X. Make it happen. That is the best way to guarantee people will recycle through into your next generation and the best way that you can show off people trying out your new content. If you can't afford an, a Series X or a Series S at launch and you have to imagine the one family will drop in price and will start to kind of vacate shelves by 2022, 2021, 2021 even, I should say. 2020, they'll be on shelves. They'll be, they'll be probably heavily discounted. Get them out there. But get people into the, the world of Xbox, playing on Game Pass. There's a ton of games to play. Yeah, that's what you need to do. Get xCloud available on the Xbox One family. Make it work. It's fine if you phase out the VCR system that didn't work anyway. It was an underpowered piece of uh, hardware that just did not work and has no business in the Xbox One conversation any longer. Uh, if you're able to close that chapter, great. And the S and X are great systems. So, yeah, make xCloud available. But to Antonio Guillen's question, $500 for the Series X, 250 for the Series S if you can stand it. Otherwise, 300 that's fine and dandy. That's the, the must-buy price for those two consoles, and they absolutely should launch day and date together. They need to be careful with their messaging. I would argue that uh, if you can get xCloud working on the Xbox One family, then the Series S, if that does exist, is less important. But who knows? There are plenty of things to learn between now and and launch plenty of things to happen there's probably gonna be another inside xbox you have to imagine e3 will will bring about plenty of news so at this point in time that's my standpoint we'll see what goes there uh to those points garrett bland says uh, this is a pivotal moment for xbox this is the first time we're going to see a series rather than a definitive box what do you think that name means for me it means we'll have iterations in shorter time scales under the xbox series brand and i think it'll be modular or upgradable Hmm. Well, Garrett, I think I've answered a lot of that question because of kind of the overlapping of topics here. I do think that we're going to start seeing series uh, aspects where the year monikers might become important to Todd's question earlier. Uh, as far as the modular or upgradable portions, I like that idea. I, I do like that idea. I'm not sold on it yet because one of the best parts about a console versus a PC, and of course those, those Concepts are blending uh, as we move forward, particularly in the Xbox ecosystem. But one of the nice things about a console is you have a status quo. You've got a, a definitive, optimizable point that you can operate at. You can say, this is going to run best here. And developers and content um, creators for those systems are able to just say, all right, if they've got an X, this is what, they, this is what their standard is. Then S, this is what their standard is. And they know what they're working with. If you have a PC, you open that door up to, uh, and you open up a can of worms to a whole other uh, other slew of possibilities and the more variables the more issues that we run into now i'm talking with uh todd oxtra on the co-op mode podcast uh last week or the week prior he was saying his experience with the control was not nearly as good as, as mine was because he's playing it on an s and he felt that system was underpowered for what remedy was trying to do with control and quite possible certainly could be my experience with the control on an s was fantastic uh to to hear that developers would not have a sustainable, optimizable, easy point to enter because of modular upgrades. I wonder about that, but also yeah, we have a lot more to learn. We, if it's an easy peasy, just plug and play, go for it, USB port type thing. Yeah, all right, cool, cool. That then you're getting to kind of like the expansion, uh, was it the expansion 
Pass. That's the name of this show. That's not right. Expansion Pack. Goodness gracious. From the, the 64 era. The VMUs of the Dreamcast. A couple more operating chips here and there. I don't know. Uh, I, I like the idea of upgradable systems. I don't like the idea of being stuck in the price point. But with, with the program called uh, Xbox All Access, the idea that you can trade in your Scarlet to upgrade here and there, they're going to do versions of that for people that aren't in on All Access or didn't buy their, their Xbox One with that program. You, they want people in. And, and, and to the point, you don't make money on hardware. That's not something that happens. Unless you're Nintendo in the Wii era where you're just refusing to upgrade your tech and you're using old tech, you're not going to make money on hardware. And... I would imagine very seriously that, that Xbox is willing to take a loss here and there on hardware to keep people in that world. You don't buy in 15 studios uh, and develop develop hardware, software, and OSs for those systems to just bow out. So I think we'll I think we'll be just fine in that respect. The Winter Gamer Brendan Myers wrote in with a question that I'm going to paraphrase just a bit to slim down for time, but he wants to know if Microsoft uh, is feeling extra comfortable for them to be able to launch their system first, or not, I'm sorry, launch the news of their system first, show the physical box, talk about specs, have taglines. Um, does that put pressure on Sony, uh, and does it adjust the trajectory of their console or Sony's console? Uh, because it means that their games are more service-based, there's a docket uh, for PC as well, that there's something there. Does this put Sony in a difficult position because they have to put all their eggs into one basket with the PlayStation 5 versus the services like xCloud and, and scalability, Game Pass for PC, etc. Uh, Winter, love the question. I love the idea that Microsoft is being bold here, that they are launching the news of their content first, the news of their games first. They're talking about the system. They're showing off the new controller. But being first doesn't mean anything. I think it was a great time to show... Uh, that they that they have something ready for the game awards that they were willing to put it out there in front it does speak to a certain level of confidence and being comfortable uh, and I go back to the idea that they have invested so much into the Xbox brand of late and you make a very good point they have hedged their bets not on only one thing they do have the console space they do have the PC space now that they're kind of blending and they've also got xCloud for streaming base so they are in some ways fighting a war on three fronts. In other ways, they're not fighting a war. They're, they're opening themselves up to options and having the available paths to take at any given time. Uh, I do think it puts pressure on Sony, but not in a console war sense. I no longer feel that Sony and Microsoft are direct competitors any longer. That was the case at one time. In fact, I think even at the beginning of this generation, it certainly was the case. But with the inclusion of xCloud, with Stadia coming about, with the way that, that install bases are changing and people are moving to one and two consoles, two and three consoles per home, having access to games on multiple platforms, the war has changed. You look most recently at Minecraft being announced on the PlayStation 4. Uh, it's been on PlayStation 4, but not with crossplay, not with all the same content. Now we have Sony putting out commercials to show people that the Xbox game is compatible with the PlayStation game, that PlayStation 4 gamers can play with Microsoft players, with Nintendo players, etc. Even Sony is changing their tune about the way they're going about bringing content to players. The plastic box argument is becoming less relevant. Does it put pressure on Sony? To go back to your question, it does, but it is only a pressure to say why the PlayStation 5 is worth it. And when you have an exclusive slate, when you have an install base of, of 100, plus, 100 million plus that Sony has with this generation, and when you're able to have such a, a weak year as 2019 that PlayStation did and still be the best, 
that's a pretty good that's a pretty good way to enter into this new world. And Sony's Jim Ryan has done a great job at talking about hubris, at talking about how overconfidence can spell doom for a company's uh, next generation ambitions. So I certainly think that we will continue to see the war rage on amongst the internet uh, crowd, amongst the fanboyism, but gamers are in a good spot. Sony's in a good spot going forward. Microsoft is clearly comfortable moving out. There's a confidence to all of that that uh, moving out from each of those companies, and I am excited to see it. I love the news of MLB, the show, coming to Nintendo consoles, coming to Microsoft consoles. Xbox gamers are now going to get a chance, if they're interested, to play one of the best sports games ever made in MLB The Show. I Personally, not a, not a baseball guy, not overly excited by the news of more baseball on Xbox, but the idea that one of the best studios ever to create a sports game can now reach out to more people and, and touch more gamers, that's fantastic news. It's the same way that Yakuza games coming to Game Pass, Final Fantasy games coming to Game Pass, uh, Kingdom Hearts games coming to Game Pass. Those are all bringing great games to more people. And it reminds us that the war of consoles is less and less a relevant topic. And it's more about how do you get your product out there? How do you show visibility? And how do you do make people happy that they're willing to stay in your world and in your Xbox ecosystem, in your Sony ecosystem, in your Nintendo ecosystem? That is, that is all it comes down to. And I think Microsoft is very well positioned moving forward, very well positioned to move into the next gen. Goodness gracious, guys, what an episode it's been. So much to talk about, so many things to highlight and spotlight. Uh, I'm going to start winding down. I do want to point out that I announced the, the must-play games of 2019 for XEP last week. Of course, it had to have appeared on Xbox and been released in 2019. Uh, got some great feedback to that. I love, love, love seeing many of your lists kind of come in and as you share them with me. Uh, I'm wondering if maybe going forward we should do a Games of the Decade conversation or games of the generation uh, as we wind down 2019 headed into 2020 should I should we have that conversation with other people panelists uh, I'm also really enjoying the interview aspect of the show talking to Benjamin Rivers last week was incredible what a great interview that was and if you missed it go back and give it a listen it was fantastic wonderful guest uh, the sparklight interview was I, I thought very enjoyable are there developers that we should have on the show? Is there somebody you want me to reach out to? Are there people that you're willing to have me take a look at? Or, or if you're a developer listening to the show, is there something you want to spotlight within the Xbox world? This is more the, the nitty-gritty of it, the behind-the-scenes. Uh, let me know what it is you guys want to continue to see so that because we are on a great trajectory right now, closing out the year uh, with XEP, where would you like to see it grow and improve? I'm enjoying making it. I hope you're enjoying listening to it. I do want to have more people on. We want to make it make it the right pace and the right objective. This show is about celebrating games. We focus on the Xbox ecosystem, but we celebrate games, and that's a fun piece. So uh, that's going to wrap me up. Thank you guys so much for listening uh, this week. You can find me on Twitter at InsipidGhost on Mixer.com slash InsipidGhost. And if you're so inclined to give me the holiday gift of, of rating the show or sharing it, retweeting it, putting it on your, your feeds of social, I would greatly appreciate that. Have a wonderful week. Play some games. Enjoy yourselves. Take care, everybody.